Blog Talk Radio. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. With your host, Danny Mendez and NDV. Urban Jungles Radio, Urban Jungles Radio. 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 Good time. Close your eyes. I gotta, gotta 
following broadcast may contain mature subject matter and extreme awesomeness. Listen at your own risk. Uh, I don't like this new L.A. Mendez you guys Education, think going on. jungle junkies, and new listeners worldwide. It's time for the world-famous Urban Jungles Radio. The Urban Jungles Radio Show. With your host, Danny Mendez, the Beastmaster, and Andy Lee. Prepare to enter a new stream of consciousness, higher level of awareness, and an overabundance of awesomeness. Streaming live at the speed of light from the worldwide interweb, straight to your brain's core. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio. God damn it, we're world famous, Andy. We are world famous. Of course, friend. we got like six-minute intro. And I choose the last 20 seconds of my intro to take a sip of my iced tea. Yeah, it has six it. minutes to take a, take a right. sip of iced tea. I was having way too much fun with the LL Cool J song. I'm going back to Cali. And I, you know, I was really hoping that you would play the, uh, uh, shit, what's his name, Colin, Colin Quinn version, uh, going back to Brooklyn, since you're coming back to the East Coast. You know, oh, I should have done it for closing, like closing the show. Yeah. Would have been good, but, ah. Oh, well. Welcome to the 100% medically accurate <laughs> Urban Jungles <laughs> Radio. It is absolutely for your total dose of awesomeness. I am your tender loving Beastmaster for the evening, Danny Mendez. And uh, alongside me is my guest. Your guest? My, 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 wait, let me finish. Okay. My guest segment for the evening. And following man. MDV. You see? Oh, how quick your expression changed. You see, you just got to let me finish. Yes. Yeah, my, my expression changed to worse. That's <laughs> terrible. Wait till later. Good spin. <laughs> Today, we have a, uh, a very special episode. With, with, with Andy, with what I'd like to think of as a slightly different flavor. Um, first off, Dante Finolio will be stopping by. Proud of you. Proud of you for pronouncing his last name properly. Finolio? Yeah. What do you think? We're amateurs here, man? Definitely not amateurs. Gacy, set him straight, Gacy. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Daniel. Thank you. Damn straight, Gacy. You set him straight. You teach him. When, you know, he's got to learn. You think the boy would know by now? Hanging out here on the goddamn couch for five years. All right, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep this conversation going. Move on. <laughs> That's right. Dante Finelli will be here. Um, if uh, if you love frogs, you've likely come across across Dante's name mm-hmm. and uh, shut off, dude. And his pictures, as uh, he's one of the most renowned amphibian researchers, I think, in my opinion. And he's here tonight. He's here tonight on Urban Jungles Radio with you. So it's very exciting. And uh, a bit later, we'll recount my trip to L.A. For uh, an extremely cool experience, including the Hollywood red carpet premiere mm-hmm. of the Human Centipede 3, Andy's, Andy's, Andy's Peanut Butter and Jelly. You peanut I'm butter so and peanut butter and jelly, jelly dude. <laughs> I've got KY Jelly. <laughs> you got KY Jelly all up in here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was fun. Um, headed out to Hollywood with uh, UK correspondent Emma Locke. Who, uh, of course, some of you, it's funny, a, a few people had expressed that they didn't know this, that, that Emma was uh, in the Human Centipede 2, as, as uh, I know, right? You think. What, where, what planet are Look on, on Facebook, and it's those Chicago people, man. They, they're always like, you know, you know what, man? We've got to get Emma to Chicago now. Right? Yeah, we've got to make Chicago that happen. That would be awesome. So, yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and I want to 
for you guys in on all of that stuff. Tell you all about Holly Weird. And yes, please. So much more is only we can do here on the Urban Jungles Radio way. And, um, yeah, welcome back, man. I know we've been here, like, hopping around weeks off and week here, week there. But yeah, busy, busy, busy time of year. I mean, this has just been, like, the busiest, like, what, like... Two four months. months. I say four, but yeah, two months. Two, honestly, two months. Yeah, of uh, just straight madness. But I mean, now, now's the season, you know, when cons and events really start happening because it's now, you know, spring and summer's coming up, so the weather is nicer. So people want to get out of the house. They've been cooped up. They've had cabin fever for however many months. You know. Yeah, I would think wouldn't it work better the opposite? Like if the, no. to do it in the winter time when everything's dreary and you got to get out and do something. No, people don't want to go out in the rain. They don't want to go out true. in the cold. Imagine how much like the female cosplay would suck if it was cold like all the time. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Like no. <laughs> no. So that's good. Yeah, the the seasons they are changing, and of course in the animal world it also means a lot of cool stuff. Going yeah, exactly, on. man. It's it's a um, spring. It's the rebirth. It is. It is, and and we'll. we'll we're now visiting that magical time of year when uh, all the stuff is waking up and reproducing, mm-hmm. and um, which is interestingly enough, our guest tonight, Dante, uh, is uh, working on a really cool project. He's a manager of conservation and research over at the San Antonio Zoo, and they're working on breeding um, some critically endangered animals and reintroducing them into the wild. So it's pretty cool, and, and that happens this time of year. Hopefully Dante can fill us in a little bit about that in just a few minutes. That's so important with the uh, habitat just being destroyed and chytrid fungus just killing. You see, killing like, I, I have not been paying attention to, like, what's happened in, in recent years as far as, like, field biology goes and, and like the reintroduction of animals and so like i just like i don't i, I don't know what's feasible I, so i, I want to learn more about it i want to ask dante a little bit about it um and, and learn about it and, and figure out like how feasible it is these days because it's it's worrisome you know like a, yes. the amphibian declines around mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. you know are, are are ridiculous and i think what a lot of people don't realize like what scares me about them is that amphibians are so so closely linked to the environment. They're major bioindicators of something mm-hmm. going awry, something going wrong. And it's very common now to experience these mass deaths of different species across the globe, really. I mean, we've seen several species become extinct. We see a lot of animals that are just on the fringe of surviving right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we're losing critical habitat at just, you know, a ridiculous rate. So it's a really scary situation. I don't think people understand how much trouble we're in, especially once we start losing um, all the major biodiversity and amphibians that we've got right now. So, I don't know, craziness. craziness Unfortunately, things like that, people don't really uh, pay attention to until it's too late. No. And then then everyone scrambles to try and find a solution when we had years to try and find a solution. It's it's horrible, but I don't know. Hopefully, it's not too late for a lot of these animals. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out from from Dante going forward, I guess. And um, interestingly enough, I think this is pretty awesome. I'll gush a little bit about it more when he's on. But mm. um, I love watching you gush. This is awesome. I, I told you about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So Green Tracks is offering a trip where you get to go into the Amazon yeah. with Dante, uh, with Bill Lamar, mm-hmm. um, with Tom Crutchfield. Really Let me prepare you people for a trip with Tom Crutchfield. Like, first of all, he's a monkey magnet. He's always got those little marmosets, like, everywhere. Even the wild ones come in <laughs> and stuff. So, you know, you're going to be full of marmoset. And, uh, and he's just, oh, man, prepare yourself for stories. I am so jealous. I would love to be trapped 
on a riverboat with these guys just chewing their ear off with them with no escape. I think by like the first week they'll be like braving piranha filled waters just to get away from me because yeah. I'd be asking like, them. Totally it would be great, man. Imagine having yeah. them all right there as captive audience. I mean, just e- essentially eons of stories and experience right in front yeah. of you. Yeah, and and of course you know Tom is never disappoints. So like anything yeah, you can't shut him off for the life of you. So you it, can. And, it and, equals out. And everything else is a bonus. So it's, it's all good stuff. So anyway, speaking about good stuff, let's get let's get cracking. Let's Here do we it. Go. Yep. All right. This is Emma Locke from the Human Centipede Two, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Join Danny Benzers live every Friday night at 10 p.m. in his quest to bring you the very best in cold blooded entertainment. From special guest appearances to Heathrow Debate. Hey, Gacy, you're probably going to enjoy this a lot because I, I know you're, you're quite the uh, closet but, frog fanatic. Oh yes, Daniel. I just love Fibby's friends. <laughs> he's a he's a fan of the fibs. You're a fin fan, a fib fan. Oh yes, but let's not mistake those fibs from Illinois as our amphibian friends. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Silly, silly me, silly me. Casey, please take no offense to my ignorance. Forgive me. I will pay you tribute in the way oh, of tadpoles. <laughs> Were you giving him the shocker over there? No, it's a tribute from Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, okay, that's right. He said tribute. <laughs> anyway, our guest this evening is the manager of conservation and research at the San Antonio Zoo, where he's currently working on breeding uh, critically endangered amphibians in hopes of, or fibs, as Casey knows them, <laughs> in hopes of uh, conserving the species. He's got a broad background in working with amphibians and even crayfish, which is pretty cool. Crayfish? Yes, crayfish. He's... he's, he's it, it, Dante's sort of like, he's like the Indiana Jones of frogs and salamanders, Andy, with, <laughs> with some crayfish thrown in for good measure. Toss me the salamander, and I'll you... toss you the whip. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Thank I think you. that's a conservation t-shirt if I ever saw oh, one right there. That's beautiful. Right? Right? Uh, write that, shit, write down, that shit down. Own that shit. <laughs> Everybody else, please come. Welcome. Uh, Dante from the other to the show. Dante, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is like such a long overdue call. I've I've been wanting to talk to you forever. I've been just a total fan of your writing. Even like when from the stuff that I used to see you writing, like in like Bavarian magazine and everything back in the day. Um, Just just really cool stuff. So welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's it's a it's a lot of fun. Oh, very cool. So, what what's the deal? I know I I can see from your research and obviously your passion, you're very amphibian heavy. What what started that all for you? You know, I I, I will admit I am amphibian heavy. Um, <laughs> I uh, I grew up in a a family owned business. Uh, my dad imported aquarium fish from all over the world, and. Um, I also grew up in the Santa Cruz Mountains in a a time and an age where you could let your kids play out in the woods and not worry about them vanishing in the back of some creep's van. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my parents would let me camp out all weekend out out in the the forest on my own. And uh, and I grew up 
um, loving amphibians. I, I was seeing things like Pacific giant salamanders and red-legged frogs on a, on a regular basis. So uh, wow. when um, when my dad told his business associates around the world that he had a kid that liked frogs, um, little bags of gift frogs started showing up in the fish shipment. And, uh, you know, this, this is an age before all the laws and regulations and craziness that it is today. And, and uh, you know, I, I will say that I had I had some amphibians from Columbia uh, that I don't think ever got scientifically described. You know, I, you, you've got this six- and seven-year-old kid running around with a basement full of poison frogs that are it's just an insane collection. So I, I, was, I had a, a very lucky childhood. And no friends, or at least they wouldn't last too long after visiting the Poison Dart Frog Collection. <laughs> I, I had a few friends leave the house. They wouldn't spend the night. <laughs> oh, my God. What is that? Ah, freaking out. That must have been loud at your house at night. Oh, my. Imagine the sound. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> All right. So as, yeah, as a well, life, it was great. As a lifelong amphibian fan, for, for somebody who, who's been observing them since childhood and obviously on, on a major level now, um, as as a, I'll call you a grown up because I don't I don't want to accuse you of being an adult. But um, <laughs> now, are we seeing, or I should say, are you seeing any kind of indications that there's like some kind of a huge problem on the horizon as far as amphibian populations go, especially frogs? I know frogs are highly susceptible to a lot of stuff. Or is is that just a lot of hype that's going on right now? What's your personal opinion? Guys, I I, I don't like being negative, um, but but it would be doing a disservice not to clearly state the uh, the parameters of this problem. It is global. Um, it is terrible. It is raging out of control right now. And we are looking at uh, the next mass extinction event. And it's not just amphibians. Oh. I'll, I'll talk about amphibians specifically. And, and I, I wish I had good news, and I wish, you know, I could be chipper and, 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 and such. But I've I got to tell you, we are watching species after species blink out while before we can even record what's going on and the the big problem with amphibians the the very thing that allowed amphibians to be so successful in our environment their permeable skin is is actually their undoing now and the fact that they live two distinctly different lifestyles as as larvae and adults in most cases not all and what that does is it really exposes them to two totally different sets of potential problems nowadays. So we've got raging emergent infectious amphibian diseases, and it's not just amphibian chytrid fungus. There are iridoviruses. There are bacterial epidemics. There's a parasitic plague. There are problems that are coming from multiple angles with regard to disease, but a lot of times people just focus on the disease, and, and, and the deal is it's not just disease. You're, you're talking about massive issues of environmental contaminants, habitat loss, all kinds of things kicking in. You know, it, and it, it's, it's a really complicated problem. You almost have to look at each species on a case-by-case -case basis to really try to understand what's going on, and they're not all the same. <laughs> But the wave of extinction that's picking up momentum right now will be a legacy that this generation leaves for for all generations in front of us. And, and, you know, I get asked the question all the time, why should we care? And, and you know, it sounds like a crazy question, but I think it's a fair one, particularly to a public 
that is not scientifically oriented. And and so my answer is we need to look at amphibians to understand why they're so important to our fate and our future. And and the example that I use is really a pragmatic one. And I have a lot of my biologist friends that really get after me for, for using this example because they don't like boiling it down biodiversity, boiling it down to, to terms of, of human gain, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a, a realist, and I understand that folks need a reason that, that will actually affect them before they might think of it to do something. Hmm. So my pragmatic argument is this. If you think about why amphibians were the lineage evolutionarily that made it from the water to the land, the, the reason for that was their skin. Now, fish couldn't do it because gills don't really work on land, but amphibians did because they can breathe through their skin. So they've got permeable skin, all living amphibians have it, and most amphibians can do a significant, if not all, a significant portion, if not all of their gas exchange across their skin. And so what happened is amphibians were able to move from the water to the land, exploit a new set of resources, but what happened, if you can imagine the first wave of, of primitive and prehistoric amphibians that were coming onto the land, it must have just been mass carnage. And, and, and the reason I say that, permeable skin is only permeable if the skin is damp. And so mm. we all know damp skin is a great place for things like microbes to grow and develop. So mm. that first wave of amphibians, it, I mean, it must have just been gross. You, you had death everywhere because they really didn't have a lot of defenses against bacterial and fungal infections. So evolutionarily, the response in the amphibians was something that, that's known as the granular gland, and all living amphibians have them embedded in their skin. If you were to look at a cross-section of amphibian skin under a microscope, it would look like hundreds and hundreds of embedded grapes, and they contract all day long, and they secrete skin toxins onto the surface of the amphibian, and those toxins keep bacteria and fungi at bay. And so what happens biochemically, humans are now savvy enough to look into these chemicals and lo and behold, they do some amazing things. And when I say amazing, I'm talking about there is a skin secretion from a frog in northeastern Australia that functionally inhibits mucosal transmission of the HIV virus with 100% effectiveness. There are amphibian skin secretions that kill antibiotic resistant bacteria um, amphibian skin secretions are being investigated uh, in treatments of cancer, as painkillers, as treatments for Alzheimer's disease. It's a real hotbed of research, but here's the gig. We are biochemically savvy enough to be able to recognize some of these chemicals, but we're not really technologically capable yet of translating a raw product to a human medicine in a short window of time. Right now it takes a long time. It's very expensive. And sometimes the research hits dead end. But, but think about how quickly our technology is growing. And, and in 10 or 15 years, we'll have the computing power. There's just no question about it. I mean, just think about what's happened technologically across the past 15 years. But now we're, we're losing so many species at such an exponential rate. Are, are there any programs or, or any efforts right now to, I guess, kind of you know, store these animals before they're gone because we're we're losing so many that we might not even have a chance to look at some of this stuff. We've seen so many extinctions in just the last couple of decades. Sure. So there there are a ton of programs and some very, very dedicated biologists working 
uh, to try to set up what are known as assurance colonies of some of the most critically endangered species. And really what that translates to, you're taking animals into, for lack of a better term, protective custody. And you've got to understand, there's a lot of people that are opposed to this. The animal rights crowd hates the notion. Um, there are a lot of folks that think, no, you know, it's, it's really not worth trying uh, to get out there and do this. But I am not in that camp, and, and, and I will argue that all day long and twice on Sundays. It's, it's just that this problem is largely human-fueled. So if you look at the things that are taking the biggest bites out of amphibian populations, there are things like habitat loss. Habitat loss is directly related to, to human activity. I mean, it's not a natural phenomenon. It's us. And, and so I think it is incumbent on us to step in and intervene. Um, I'm not saying right now that there's a silver bullet. I don't think anybody's come up with a great answer for how to, how to meet these challenges. There are far too many uh, amphibian species that are in serious trouble um, to be able to put them all in labs. And, and in, in a sense, uh, it puts biologists, conservation biologists, in, in a little bit of a God's play sort of role, and it's uncomfortable. Right. Right. But the bottom line is if we don't intervene, these things will go. That's the only guarantee that's on the table right now. Um, the, 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 the forces that are fueling amphibian decline are raging right now. And the, the, the wholesale loss of what is in excess of 7,000 living species um, will be astounding in just 20 years or so from now. I, I think, unfortunately, we will be down to a fraction of that. So you can pretty much say that humans are the common denominator for the majority of these problems that these animals are facing. I don't think that there's any question. I, I really don't. You know, uh, there's a lot of debate and argument about where amphibian chytrid fungus came from and how it right. spread. And some people think it's, it's, you know, it was spread by a biologist or humans. Other people have argued, oh, it was moved around when African clawed frogs were used in pregnancy testing and they were shipped all over the world. You know, and those arguments aren't mutually exclusive. It could have been a little bit of everything. Um, it could also be that these these fungi were present in the in the environment and uh, environmental circumstances sort of weaken the immune system of, of uh, amphibian populations, and then, you know, the, the fungus kicked in from there. That is another competing hypothesis. So I, I kind of view it all as, well, we may learn the, the real story sooner or later, but it, it almost doesn't matter. What does matter is that we've got to act. This has to happen now. Uh, this is critical things are disappearing this second. I could take you down to the upper Amazon basin to some of my old field sites and you could stand in a field and look in any one direction and not see a tree. Wow. And, and I mean, wow. we're, we're talking about a forest where I used to be able to take you and find uh, primary forest endemics like Hemifractus, the frog-eating frog. Yes. You'd have jaguars around you. You'd be able to see things, some of the snake community that only inhabits primary forests, some of the lizards that only inhabit. I mean, these were beautiful, beautiful primary forests, and they're gone, and there's nothing there. There's not even stumps. So let me ask something, Dante. Obviously, it sounds to me like you're very passionate about these animals. You have to have a personal investment in, you know, the successes behind breeding some of these rare animals, like the, the work that you're doing at the San Antonio Zoo with, let's say, for instance, um, flat with the, flat with salamanders. Um how do you feel 
as far as the outlook goes when it comes to the point that you're working so hard now you're collecting these animals and raising them in captivity for a generation to breed and then I'm assuming it's released the next generation how do you feel when you're releasing that next generation into an environment whose you know parameters you really can't control I mean are you hopeful that these animals can take to that or are we just going to be doomed and, and subject to having them in tanks forever you know it's it's really that's a great question, and and it's something that conservation biologists struggle with throughout their career. And and I can I could name off a, a, a long list of prominent names that have that have sort of departed conservation biology because it's a depressing field to be in. Right. But when when you ask something like that, obviously I've got some hope that some of this stuff can be saved. Otherwise, I wouldn't be investing really all of my time in my life in this. So I, there are a lot of very, very dedicated people working very, very hard um, in all branches, state and federal wildlife offices, uh, in, in nonprofit um, wildlife protection groups. There are a lot of people really invested in this. And, and my thing is this, we at least have to try. I'm, I'm n- I've okay. never been somebody who, who's okay with sitting back and just saying, ah, let's just see what happens. Good for you. That's how you find yourself being a kick-ass biologist sitting in the middle of the rainforest doing what you love. <laughs> there you go. You just, so, you just summed up my life in like a sentence. <laughs> Good for you. You know that that's fantastic. I, I, no, that that's awesome. You're living, you know, you're living the the life that every little kid out there wants to do when they're sitting out there in a pond catching frogs and, you know, thinking, pondering what they're going to be. They they want to do what you're doing. And, and think about that. It's freaking awesome. And and while we're on this, for your personal preferences, I have to ask you, what's with the fetish for creepy pale, blind cave animals like salamanders <laughs> and crayfish and shit? I noticed that you're really into those. There's a theme going on there, Dante. You know, I, I am, and, and, and I, I wish that I could explain it easily. Um, the From the very first time that I went into a cave, I, I it just, it was like a switch went on. And um, it's, it's something I'm passionate about. I, I love everything that lives in caves, uh, not just the salamanders, the fish, the bugs, the, the all the biology is interesting to me. Um, I think, you know, another part that, that feeds into that, that a, a lot of people don't think of at the outset, I work with some incredible people when, when I work in caves. I, two of my primary collaborators here in the States, Dr. Matt Niemiller and Do, uh, Dr. Daphne Sora, those are great people. Um, there, there's a guy who works in the Nature Conservancy in, in Arkansas by the name of Mike Slay, and he's another one that I cave with all the time. Um, Dr. Geo Graining. I mean, these are people that I've spent huge chunks of my life with. And, I mean, when you go below ground with people, it's challenging. You you are going places in in certain circumstances where there haven't been a lot of people. You, you really rely on the people that you're with. It's exciting. There's lots of discoveries. Biologically you don't, you don't want to owe them money? <laughs> no you don't it. want to be in debt. You don't want to be messing with your girlfriends. No, nothing no, no. like that. No, I can imagine. Yeah, you, and want, that, you want to be on the up and up. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, in that environment, I, I've been like, I, you know, of course, it's absolutely nothing compared to like yeah, what you do. Yourself. No, but I've been cave diving, and I know that it's like. Isn't that spelunking? 
No, it was it was uh, no, it's not Spelunky. Shut up! Stop throwing me off. Anyway, I, I, no, I'm a K diving in Mexico, and it was it's ridiculous. Like you have to trust. Like this dude's making a squeeze through these little holes in the dark, and you have to trust the person that you're with because sure, it's not the place to have like a panic attack or anything like that. But I mean, in general, like even yeah. down when you are spelunking, when you're lowering yourself down, you know, you have there's a lot of equipment involved. There's a lot of teamwork involved in these efforts. Not only that, but just like Dante saying, to have people that are on the same page as you as far as like your goals out there and learning what you're going to learn, sure, that's, sure. that's priceless. And, and man, and just yeah. making me more and more jealous. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, again, it's it's the people that have, that have sort of really wrapped me up in this. Um, you know, I work with a guy from the Chinese Academy of Sciences by the name of Yahui Zhao, and um, he is he's just one of these guys. He's got this infectious, happy-go-lucky personality, He's, he's so, just so much fun to hang out with. And, you know, he shared a really remote corner of China with me, and we go over and, and work with him for four to six weeks a year. And we'll end up hitting villages where, I mean, I get out of the car and they're grabbing my beard and my hair, and the, the first thing they're saying, <laughs> we've never seen we've never seen a Caucasian, you know? And, and, and I mean, Cruise, it's, it's just it's crazy. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's just bizarre. I, I, I'm I'm envious because I mean that's what I think a lot of people don't realize, especially in a place like China. There are just so many hundreds of thousands of little villages, each one with their own cultures and stuff. And and they do they never get really permeated from people on the outside. So to actually experience that on top of the freaking wildlife that you're getting to see, yeah. I'm just it's ridiculously awesome. I mean, and and speaking, I I want to ask you because I don't know personally. Speaking of of, of sensitive environments are, are cave environments much more susceptible to issues than the ones that are exposed or are they kind of protected as far as ecosystems go no you know what they're just as sensitive and, and here's the problem with cave fauna typically when when you have an ancestral uh, population that moves into caves for whatever reason to inhabit them and leads to a long evolutionary process where you get an animal that's Really highly adapted to that particular environment, one thing that's generally common in most cave environments is very little change. You don't get huge temperature swings. You mm-hmm. don't get a lot of uh, seasonality. So you've got a very, very constant environment. And, and that constant environment can be challenging. It's dark. There's not a lot of food resources. You know, there's no photosynthesis going on because there's no sunlight and no plants. So it's not like it's easy, but it's it's constant. And and so what happens when we mess around above ground, we put in a field, um, we, we uh, quarry limestone in the area, there's a whole bunch of things that can disrupt cave systems. All it takes is a very little uh, perturbation, and you could lose the species. The other big problem is that a lot of cave systems aren't connected. And so you have um, a situation that lends very well to high endemism. In other words, you, you have almost a one species per cave or cave uh, system uh, situ- situation. And so any little tweak, and you, you could have something blink out and you've lost a whole species. Oof. Wow. And I'm assuming that we know of a fraction of these as far as identifying anything in these ecosystems. Man, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many new species my colleagues and I have sitting on our desk. I mean, it, it's almost like you know, two, three, four times a year, you you bop into a cave and, and, and you're looking around and all of a sudden it's like, yep, that's new. You, you just know it when you see it. And um, we work with some very, very good taxonomists. And, yeah, I, my, 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 I guess that was a long answer for most 
most of, of the cave systems of the world are hiding all kinds of new species, particularly in places like China. You've got to remember, China's cave-bearing region, southern China, the karst area or the area that has the right rocks to, to create caves, it's the size of Texas. Wow. Jesus Christ. My so there God, are I've... tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of caves that haven't been bio-inventoried. Nobody's gone in looking. Oh, not I not for Man, that's crazy. I would love to. That's like one of the places I would love to go in the world is is China just to explore exactly what he's talking about. There's just so many fragmented areas that nobody visits, nobody knows about. So much new habitat. It's just oh, what an amazing opportunity. So listen, um, if you're having a good time on the show and everything, Dante, and you might happen to have like an extra species or two that you want to name. You know, Danny Mendez's eye is just a pretty cool name. I don't know. I'm a little biased, but just just keep that in mind. Um, no, I will. Oh, so real, real quick, you, uh, something's come up that, that I want to talk about is, is you're going to do this Green Tracks thing, which is just what a yeah. freaking total, like, opportunity for anyone with the most remote interest in, in herpetology. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that trip is going to entail? I, I sure will. Let me let me start with the history a little bit. Um, yeah. I was a kid, and my dad would take me up when uh, visiting biologists were giving lectures, and uh, he took me to a lecture. Um, I, I think I was probably in middle school, and I met Bill Lamar. And, uh, you know, it's really funny. I was an annoying little kid. I was one of those kids who had 10 gazillion questions and another gazillion behind those, and I, I can't tell you why he didn't blow me off immediately. I would have blown me off immediately. Um, but uh, he uh, he took me under his wing, and we started talking about spending summers and in, in working for him in the Upper Amazon Basin, and, and I did. And I've, I've nice. spent a lot of time working for him uh, across um, uh, the Peruvian Amazon, um, and then, and then uh, you know, to some extent in Central America. But he uh, he founded green tracks with a couple other biologists and and you know the thing that that really strikes me when i look at herp opportunities and herp trips to the upper amazon basin if you look at the companies that are competitors with green tracks almost every one of them down to the last one can trace their roots to green tracks yes yes um they were the group they were the company taking folks in and, and i as a biologist I mean, that's that's where I want to be. I want to be going into the forest with someone who who's lived there. I mean, we're talking about Bill Lamar. The guy lived in Colombia. He's he's lived in the Orinoco Basin, the Amazon Basin. Uh, he's visited nearly every uh, tributary headwater uh, that feeds into the Amazon. This guy knows what he's talking about, and and I've learned a ton from him over the years. So when when they started up that company, it was just sort of a natural fit. Um, if if there was a, a summer window where I could help guide a trip, they had me guide trips. Wow! And so it's it's been a long, long uh, time with these guys. And and you know the thing that I love about Green Tracks trips is that you don't need to have any kind of background to go on them. They're they're intended to be fun. Um, the other thing I really like about them, it's not just about the herps. I mean, don't get me wrong, we get after it. Uh, we we find stuff. These are really good trips. But, you know, we're into the bugs, we're into the fish, we're into the birds, we're into the mammals, the the anthropology. I mean, man, I've I've spent long, long periods of time living in Bora and Yagua Indian villages with, with Lamar. I mean, these, these are the people. You want to learn about herps? Screw textbooks. You need to get down and you need to live with the people who live in the forest. 
they've forgotten more than I'll ever know about herbs. You go out with them, they don't think in a linear fashion, but you are learning things every time they communicate. And, and they, I mean, they just, they understand things about reptiles that academic biology still is just mystified by. So yeah, no, that's how uh, you learn. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember Green Tracks almost pretty much bringing the concept of ecotourism through the Amazon on a boat, you know, to play. Like, I, I remember they were the first, and it's spectacular that all the same people are still, in, you know, involved, still have an arm into it, and, and how, like you said, have kind of grown up with it. It's like a legacy at this point, and, and what a great opportunity. You definitely, And it's not something you really want to scrimp on. When when you're out in the Amazon, you, you don't want to be with, like, a... B-rated outfit, you know, they're like whatever. You don't want to be in a situation where you jump off the boat and peeing. Next thing you know, you got a catfish in your urethra, and you're like, "Damn it, I should have gone on yeah, green I, track." I can't be good. No, you don't want to be in that situation. So you definitely want to go with somebody who knows. And I mean, I couldn't even imagine being on a trip. Uh, Dante, honestly, like I would be so stoked to go with you because of the reasons that you just cited. I mean, you grew up doing this. Like, what an amazing opportunity, and and what an amazing opportunity for you as far as being exposed to that. I, I'm sure you've seen some crazy, crazy stuff over the years. You know, it's 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 just been a privilege. Um and, and I gotta say, you know, you, you layer on top of that having an old field hand like Tom Crutchfield going. I mean uh, it's it's one of those things that you you're you're just sort of sitting back and, and saying, Wow, Crutchfield and Lamar, yeah I'm on board. And yeah, totally. uh, you know Tommy knows his stuff, let me tell you. Tommy has, you talk about remote corners and and remote forests. That guy's put in his time. He knows what he's talking about. I have deep respect for him. And, uh, you know, with with him and Lamar around, we've we've also got some some folks, some Peruvians that we work very closely with. We'll get after it. And, and, um, you know, you, you think about the herp list, so... I've had the privilege of working on both short and long-term research projects with Lamar in, in this corner of the Amazon. He His herp list for the region that, that we're going to be working in, it's approaching 400 species. And, I mean, wow. if, if you think about that 400 potential target species in, in, in a given area, that is mind-numbing. I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff. So. You know, you get out on a good, misty night, and you hit the trails, and maybe you'll get lucky and you'll have a quick downpour. Uh, some of the fossorial things get flooded out. I love going out on, on heavy downpours because you can find Sicilians and sometimes Amphisbanians. There's all kinds of other stuff that gets flooded out. There's a giant terrestrial earthworm in the Andean foothills that's like a meter in length. I'm sold. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is real biology, man. I mean, you know, you you get out, you you hit some of these forests, you hear jaguars off in the distance, you know, you hear something, you want to talk about a weird frog, you hear hydrolatari schmidii calling. It sounds like an African lion getting ready to kill something. Good lord! <laughs> I hope you withhold that information from the tourists for the first couple of nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome stuff, yeah man. It's, it's fantastic, man. So if anybody wants to find yeah. out more about uh, getting on board with one of these trips, where do they need to go? So so I would go to greentracks.com. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page um, and click on the page that features the trip with Bill and Tom and myself, you can get all the information. Um, I wish I could say that there's there's really spots left. I think there's one spot maybe for the first week and maybe one for the second, but 
for for all intent and purposes, these things are pretty close to capacity already. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised by the response. You know, we, we do trips every now and again. It's convenient for me because I work a lot in Chile, so I'll just fly my, myself through Lima uh, on my way down to Chile, jump on a, a, a puddle jumper over the, the Andes and into Iquitos and and have fun for a week or two, and then and then head on down and, and do a month's worth of serious work in Chile. But um, <clears throat> I mean, this this is a this is going to be a really fun trip. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds pretty fantastic. I I am so jealous, and I heard that they sold out like instantly. I think you, you had to actually like put in another one or something to accommodate people. I mean, it's absurd. But I mean, you uh, going forward, there'll be other opportunities for you guys if if you're interested in getting out with green tracks. I'm sure they'll be scheduling more trips as time goes forward. So I'm already um, booking one. I mean, you're on there already. <laughs> well, we'll definitely put up all the links so you guys can find uh, what what you need to do as far as information goes. And Dante, before you go, is there anything that we can do as far as um, lead people to show you know what you're doing at the San Antonio Zoo or anything that you're personally working on. You know, um, I've, I've been very very fortunate in the in the fact that the director of the zoo and the other VPs at the zoo have been just this amazing support network, and they they've just said go do it. They they haven't forced me to work in any one type of conservation and. So I played to my strengths, and, and we've, we're now involved with a huge deep-sea grant. It's called DeepEndConsortium.org, and it involves about 19 other uh, universities and museums. We're the only zoo, but we're out in the Gulf of Mexico looking at how the deep-sea community has been impacted uh, by the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Um, you know, that, that's, that's involved, you know, it, it includes some really neat science, uh, some really, really cutting-edge sort of environmental toxicology work. Um, we're involved right now in China with the Chinese Academy of Sciences, um, looking at, at cave fish. Um, we're busy in Chile. Um, SaveDarwinsFrogs.org uh, is our website awesome. for that project, where we have a partnership with the National Zoo of Chile in Santiago, and we're breeding a whole host of critically endangered amphibian species working with and breeding um, Darwin's frogs right now. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and then there's there's local stuff. We're working with uh, the Texas Department of Parks and Wildlife and the the fantastic state herpetologist here, Dr. Andy Glusenkamp, and we're working with um, some newts in South Texas that are are, are really not doing well. So mm-hmm. um, a little bit of everything. And while you're at it, let them know that rattlesnake roundups suck. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Tate, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and for letting us know, man. It's a pleasure. I, I really would love it if you come back after the Green Tracks trips and let us yeah. know how it went down. I, I want to hear all about it so we can have complete envy about all the, the fun that you guys had. Absolutely. Hey, guys, I'd love to do it, and, and I'd be happy to send you some, some images, and, and we can uh, we can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, send us some stuff. We'll put it out there for everybody to see, and, and uh, I'd love it. Thank you very much, man. We appreciate talking to you. Hey, guys, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Dante. This is a journey into sound. I'm Marty Stauffer, and you're listening to Urban Jungles Radio with Danny and Andy. Those motherfuckers think they know every fucking thing there is to know. (laughs) 
because um, I know yeah, she's going on about uh, Toke the human Toke Toke peas or something like that. She's she was Toke peas. She's like making like you like bite the gooch of the person ahead of you. I don't know the gooch of the person ahead of you. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and then you walk around, and every second step you go. Sick twisted Cali people. Cali's awesome. I love Cali, dude. You know what I love about Cali is the fact that it's like everybody in California, especially in like uh, LA Hollywood area, like everybody, it, it's, it's a fucking creative, like, like, like you know, okay, we're frogs of the, the order of the day today. It, it's like frog spawn. Like, it's just like imagine being like in a creative pool, a big, amplexing mass of creativity, just hammering gelatinous eggs down your back with milky fluids afterwards, and then you just come out of there just developing with shit popping out of your back like a people people frog. Like, it's just, it, it's awesome. No, seriously, it's awesome. Don't um, talk about Nikki like that. <laughs> What's up to Nikki? Uh, no, no, seriously, um, like... It, it's just it's the creative spot, man. Everybody is like involved in something. Everybody's involved in some kind of cool project or like another ongoing project or like even like in talking. Of course, it's so fucking cliche, but it's true that like every waiter is like an actor sure, or a like yeah, or like yeah. somebody working their way up, you know. And like we know the whole history, like those people. And of course, you can have and you never know, but it's like everybody's on that cost. Yeah, it's you like know? that point one percent. Well, even still, like even some of the people that I went that, to go hang out with. Um, uh, of course, I guess let me back up. I, I told everybody I traveled out to LA to meet with some people, to meet with some friends, and mm-hmm. um, and to attend the premiere of the Human Centipede Three as as a guest of Emma Locke, our UJR UK correspondent, correspondent. and and one of the many uh, talented segments of the Human Centipede Two. So, like, headed out there, and and, and like, okay, so I, the first day I'm out there, I, I started hooking up with uh, with Devin and Mike. Oh, I love, like, love Devin and Mike. Um, shout out to you guys. Love you guys. Thumbs up, Mike. <laughs> for Mike, of course, we talked about the spatula thing. <laughs> and uh, so went out, hung out with them, and like it's just hanging out with those guys. It's so awesome because you know they're involved in production, mm-hmm. and I just love hearing the stories, like the behind the scenes stuff on on production, and like the, you know these are the dudes that do Shark Week and like mm-hmm. all kinds of other cool programming, and, and of course you know how I feel about TVs and and, and especially certain networks. Um, but like I love listening and and learning about the craft. Like I love the artistry behind what these guys do. I've seen them do some pretty cool stuff. I've seen like all the cool cameras they get. Um, you know, and, and it, it's just really cool to see that firsthand. So I, I I just love chilling with people like that. And um, they were cool enough to hang out. And uh, yeah, we went out to like a restaurant the first night. Like, I, I saw all the manly drinks you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Clarkson. He got like some. <laughs> Pink shit. I, I, what did he get? I got like a beer. On the beach or something? Yeah, I don't know. He got some, and okay. he was like asking them to like not fruity it up. He was yeah. like, can you like not make it so colorful or fruity? But of course, they came and it was just the best. The worst glass too. And then Devin ordering <laughs> cotton candy. Whatever. No, the cotton candy comes to you. Oh, okay. The cotton candy, they 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 give it to you like at the end of your meal, and like, oh, oh, sorry, pulling my shit. Um, they give it to you at the end of of your meal, so it's just it's like this fucking giant goblet of cotton candy. Oh, it's like sugar. a fucking three. It's like a three foot tall goblet of cotton it. candy. It's like Marge, Marge Simpson's hair. <clears> exactly. It's like a table. pink Marge Simpson sitting in the middle, and you're just <laughs> yanking at this thing. You know, and eating at it. it's like that face of the death thing with the monkey in the middle. Like, it was just drinking it. Yeah, it was just like ripping chunks out of it and shit, right? And uh, it, it was fun. It was it was cool. You know, I got to hang out with them for a bit. Casey, and, do you uh, like cotton candy? How do you feel about that, Casey? It, it always gets stuck in my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. Some things we did not need to know about. <laughs> so, yeah, so we went to this uh, this place. I don't know what I'm talking about there. Sorry, I got distracted by some buzzing noise. Anyway, we went to this, uh, this place. And it was like 9, 10 o'clock, so it's like, what, like 12, 1 o'clock our time. Yeah, so yeah, I'm fucking dead. Time. But you walk in there, and it's awesome. I mean, it, the scene was just absurd. It's, it's the very... Like cool typical LA spot. Um, it's packed, of course, with like fucking just beautiful people. Of all course. of them, like they're all obviously like fucking models, actors, and and, and like or, or like rappers because it's like they're like intermittent hood like <laughs> in the crowd. So like you have to have some link to the music industry. Anyway, so like you walk into this place, it's jamming like, tables there. People are trying to eat. There's a big bar in the middle of the room. There's a fucking mechanical bull in the middle of the room. Yeah. Of course, you know you gotta have. Did them. anyone bust their face? People were on it, and and let me tell you, man, that 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 takes. Balls to write, and like I've done a mechanical bull, and I'm I, like I think I can hold my own, but that's just that's just not the place to ride a mechanical bull. You can't ride that bull with so many hot people in the room because you're just gonna fall, and every time you fall, you're gonna fall in the most like awkward way, awkward, just yeah. disproportionate, like broken way, and you can't look cool. You cannot. I will go on record and say you cannot look cool riding a, falling off of a mechanical bull. It just it just it, it can't happen. So you just flop around. So they, it's like it's like flopping around like on the set of like nine hundred two one zero or whatever. Like at the like, a, like a fish you pluck from the water just flops over. Yeah, you just you do and you just like tumbling like everything goes flying you know and they usually make you wear some stupid cowboy hat or something like that which usually gets like jammed like in a crevice somewhere and yeah. it's just so I I don't see it but people were doing it you know and of course it would inevitably be like some like. Eight, like just some typical blonde, Eight, yeah. busty model chick up there, and like, and like, oh, okay, so like, out. and like, and like, the scene is okay. Like, you're looking around the barn, it's like, you hear this like, and then like all of a sudden, the blonde jumps on the bull, it's like, and then it just stops. It just stops what they're doing, because like everybody's hoping for like a boob flash or of something, course. you know. So like, well, there's, there's, two, there's two things that are gonna happen: either a boob flash, or she's gonna come smacking her face down on the top of that bowl and break her nose, and blood's gonna go everywhere. And all the people are applying for, and all the people auditioning for her role are gonna be like, yes. yes. She already just got the nose job anyway, so yeah. You know, it was the whole plan along. One of the girls hanging out with them that night wanted her to get screwed up, so she didn't get the role. That yeah, exactly. For. Like a bunch of mean girls. Oh my god, it, it, that's what it's like. It's so it's crazy. How many it's, resting bitch faces did you? Oh see? my god, it's just all, people. You know what? I was gonna say people are unapproachable for the most part. They're not. They, they're way friendlier than New York. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. New York City people like they just fucking New York City's aggressive. New, New and that's what I love about LA. The people definitely were a lot more subtle. There was a much subdued. less 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 cunty vibe. Nice. <laughs> Depending on my mood, I, I, can, I can go for a less cunty vibe. Yeah, yeah, it was a much less cunty vibe. So, yeah. so it, it was good, you know, and and so it was it was a cool environment, and you know the people are mad cool, and everybody's beautiful. So I could definitely see how like you can go out there and just like want to kill yourself after a couple oh, of weeks of not being successful at whatever it is that you're trying well, to achieve. Even, like being successful, just like not really fitting in, and like. You're a beautiful person. Don't get me wrong, but you're not Thank LA you. beautiful. I'm not you're LA. East Coast beautiful. Yeah, I'm like East Coast. I mean, I could even get away with it in the dirty. I'm dirty. like more like Midwest beautiful. <laughs> kind of like run of the mill, kind of ordinary type guy. So I don't, I'm not laughing. I just love your description of Midwest beautiful. And coming down is Mr. Akron, Ohio. <laughs> 
Mr. Iowa. Mr. Kalamazoo. <laughs> he enjoys collecting vintage Pepsi bottles, ice fishing, and <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so so hey, so Mr. Walla Walla White, <laughs> a former Beaver Scout who grew up to enjoy the wild and wilderness of the world. <laughs> oh my God! So anyway, yeah, that was day one. That was day one. Oh that was day one. I'm sitting, and, and so you're sitting there and chilling. And it turns out that Devin and Mike, I want to shut them out real quick. They, along with a few other folks, they're working on an actual, like, legit herb conservation program. Uh, it's called Herpetological Conservation International. Yes. Um, or you can see it, check it out at herpconservation.org. And uh, <clears throat> apparently the goal is through funding. They want to do, um, they obviously, you know, funding from you guys, donations, and they want to help to fund surveys, to do science, actual bona fide scientific research project, projects. Um, and, and this is cool. They want to acquire land to create preserves, which is pretty fantastic because that's what we really need at this point is critical. You know, we're, we're critical as far as land goes. So, um, that's pretty awesome. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, do check that out. I was, I was very surprised to discover that they're working on this. Um, bad on me. I wasn't paying attention. Apparently they launched it a couple of weeks ago, but check out herpconservation.org, um, Herpetological Conservation International on Facebook, and you'll see what they're up to. So anyway, yeah, let me keep on because we got a lot to go. That was that was just day one. Uh, the next day, um, after uh, resting my gooch from Nikki's place, yeah. we, uh, <laughs> I went to, to the Museum of Natural History uh, out in L.A., which is cool. It was my first time there, and, and I'm a huge fan of uh, the American Museum of Natural History here in New York. Like, I pretty much know it by heart. Yeah. And um, so it was cool to see the, the West Coast version of it. Um, wait, I attended Bugfest. Uh, which What's is Bugfest Bug is oh dude, this is awesome. You would fucking love Bugfest, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this phenomenal event um, that basically brings together all, all sorts of like insect oriented people, from educators to even like commercial companies, like termite sniffing companies and mm-hmm. things like that, um, collectors, scientists, everybody all under one roof, mm-hmm. and they have like more shit for sale than your average reptile show, which is awesome at the museum wow, really? yeah so like you can go there it's it was jam-packed i think last year they had like well over twenty-five thousand people attend um you can go there and you can like hold all these cool specimens that they have like pets and you know, pet species or like you know giant beetles that they have that some of the researchers and, and scientists have there they have like the, the grub <clears throat> they had like all dude they had everything like oh. literally everything insect you can imagine was there and wow, like hands cool, on it was that's very very cool it was so cool um and, and you can choose from like literally like tens of thousands of specimens for sale they had like everything from like tiny little mountain ants all the way to like rare beetles. They had like two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollar beetle specimens for sale. What? Yeah, dude, fantastic stuff, man. Crazy. <laughs> and it was like usually just like a matter of millimeters in size. Like it would jump like thousands of dollars from like wow. something that was like seventeen millimeters That's to like crazy. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, they had like all kinds of cool like specimens for sale, like live stuff too. They had like a lot of cool like desert beetles, like bombardiers okay. and. Um, like feigning beetles okay. and fungus beetles, all kinds of cool stuff like that. That's cool, man. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And they have like cages galore. I'm so jealous. They had like little these cool little cages, and I wanted to buy them for my little cage fetish, but I didn't. 
Um, but they have like these cool locations for insects to do. They have like acrylics. They had just crazy stuff, and this is all inside of the Museum of Natural History. That's very cool, man. That's very very cool. So like you can go and you can attend this, and then you can still like walk around the museum, <clears throat> which I did, which is pretty awesome. The museum is, is cool. Yeah, the museum is cool. It's it's big. Um, AMNH big or? No, no, smaller than AMNH. But their taxidermy co- collection was was quite entertaining. Uh, Emma really had j- just uh, oh my god, I, I have was to get she some like of the pictures. Overloaded? I have to get some of the pictures that she took of of the taxidermy collection there. Dude, uh, just you would die laughing. Like the birds with like the big bug eyes. It looks like the sloth oh, from no. from Ice Age. Like because some of their specimens are old, you know, and like. Oh, it was, it was, like it was, early, the early stages. Of yeah, it was bad. Some of the, like some of the dioramas and some of the specimens were a bit ragged and probably needed to be changed out. Or they all had like really bad expressions on their faces, and there's just something bad, it was hilariously funny about about bad taxidermy. That you see that that link that uh, yeah, with the horrible taxidermy. <laughs> around, oh my god, I love that I love link. That, it man. makes me crack up so much. My favorite was that they had a, a coyote eating a cat diorama. For LA, and it was like they had like a quite oh, region, okay. like they have like, the mountains, the desert, okay, and then it's like right. and so like the fringes of the city, and like the coyote with its cat in its mouth, it was fucking great. That's hilarious. It was, it was great. I loved it. I loved it, and um, it was good. It was overall, it was a good, good, good place. I like the museum. Cool. Bugfest was phenomenal, man. Yeah. I would love to see something like that here on the East Coast. I just, mm. I don't think it'll ever happen. No, the, the, we're so restrictive on this side. They're really restrictive, and plus, I think interstate travel is hard, and mm. there's not a lot of bug people per se in state already, so I don't know. It would it would be sketchy. I you guess, know what, dude? Let's just plan a trip next year for Bug Fest. You got it. I think you would love it. Yeah. I, and it's all weekend long, and all right. I, I think you would totally dig it. Put that in my calendar. It's worth it even just to like visit the museum, too. And, and, and I, r- I really want to get out to California. I, I really, really do. love Cali, dude. I've been to California once, and I think I was probably 12 or 13. I had a horrible trip because we stayed in the desert, and uh, it just wasn't a fun time. But well, uh, this is like the first time that I got to explore it, mm-hmm. and it was pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> That's cool. I was like mostly in Koreatown. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I did. Uh, I was I was staying in Koreatown, okay. and uh, it was it was interesting. How many other people were in the apartment with you? <laughs> I want to say thank you to that family from Pyongyang <laughs> that put me up. <laughs> I really enjoyed sleeping with all seven of you in the cot. <laughs> Thanks, Hotwire, for hooking that up, which that special hidden feature that you have. <laughs> I enjoyed waking you. I enjoyed waking up to the the gentle fingertips on the back of my neck from like from a, Grandma. Was it like a scene out of the Waltons where Good night, John Boy, as opposed to that, it's Good night, Fang Chong. It was pretty much. It was like I could always feel somebody staring at me when I'm sleeping. It's just, it was just horrible. Oh, oh my god! Just, oh my god! No, it's bad, bad. So yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Koreatown, ripping for my K Town people, K Town, <laughs> K Town. And uh, yeah, and the next day, so the next day, um, what was the next day? Oh my God, I don't even remember. Yeah, it was the next day. Um, Come on, man, uh, I'm relying. The on premiere, you. okay, the premiere. You want to know all about it, right? Yes. Well, Andy, it might be hard to believe, but I, I just want to say that this is my my first Hollywood premiere. Okay. I know, I know you're you're hurting about that, but still to see those, so I didn't know what to expect. It was it was it was interesting. Man, well, what can I? How do I even begin this story? 
What so was, overwhelming. What was, the, what was the setting? Well, you're walking into the Grauman's Chinese Theater first of, of course. all, which How is was that? Like, so fucking overwhelming, you know, because this is like this is the one. It's not. And the, it's not. It's not the, the Disney one. Say, it's, it's not, not the Disney MGM one. Disney. No, this is this is it. You're walking into it, you know, and not only are you walking into it, but you're walking into a fucking red carpet event. Were, were you walking across like uh, John Wayne's? Star yeah, you walk, we walked across all the stars to get up in there. And, but the worst part is, it's like, there's like, okay, so we're at the Red Hyper premiere, but there's like also movies and tourists going on. Sure, yeah. So, like, you, we walk through the, like, courtyard area, and, like, everybody's normal, mm-hmm. except for, like, us. Like, you can tell which ones are... Well, yeah, like, we're yeah. like all in suits and shit, and, like, people are staring at you as, like, you're walking in and everything, you know? So you're, you're in, a, in this nice suit for a, a Hollywood premiere, You're in right? a nice suit, right? wearing your shoes. I feel bad for the women because, like, you don't realize that you're walking on that goddamn stupid concrete where everybody puts their fucking hand and, and fingerprints and, and shit, and you're, like, you're falling in the yeah. holes, like, so you're trying to fucking make make the scene walking into the Chinese theater, but you yeah. don't want to bust your ass no. walking over well, the goddamn concrete, so... Oh, dude, yeah, whatever, it's crazy, so walking in, and, and you make your way through the crowd, you're all standing out, and you get there, and, and, and you check in, and you just get submerged into this surreal world, man, it's a surreal world of actors, I mean, you kind of always imagine, like, what it's like to be an actor, and to be in there, but... It's crazy to sit there amongst them as like they're sitting there deciding who's gonna walk down the red carpet at what time, you know? And they're all like standing around because like you want to make an appearance, like depending on like mm, okay. how well known you are, like within reason of somebody else. You don't want to be overshadowed, but yeah, you know, it's just crazy. Like it's like yeah. when you're, it, it, it's absurd. You don't think about it, but it's it's crazy and kind of petty to an extent, like because this is like what everybody's kind of like scrambling for, and everybody's looking around all nervously trying to figure out sure. when they should yeah. go because you don't want to look bad, you know? Like you want to you want to make the entrance, you want to yeah. you want to time that shit. This is fucking hot. Hollywood red carpet. You want to look good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so, uh, anyway, you, you walk down this carpet, and, and before you do that, you're standing around waiting to see who's who's going to go, and you're engaging in all the small talk with everybody, you know, and then I'm engaging them, recognizing the people, you know, and yeah. it's like, holy fuck, you know? And then, like, Emma's introducing you to people because she knows, like, the cast members and stuff sure, like okay. that. And, and then, like, it doesn't, you know, register until, like, she introduces somebody, and then it's like, holy shit, like, you know, that dude was... That's the guy from... This or that, and, 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 like, you know, this is the first segment, and so, like, whatever, like, you just, you know, from the movies, like, you just, it it sinks in that these are the people that you see in the movie, and Mm -hmm. and it's like, holy shit, you know, and and, and that's just an awesome, awesome moment, because they're chatting with you, and it's just like, hey, man, how you doing? They're people. It's people. It's just normal people, you know? Once you get past that, like, your own, in your own head. You know, and, and, and right. they're really down to, yeah, but I mean, there are some that are unapproachable, don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. I'm you know, like wrong. some of the bigger ones, they, they, they definitely were, like, like my only fucking regret. My, oh, and it fucking, oh, it burns me up. So like, like, okay, so at one point, uh, you know, everybody's busy and I walk over, I have to make a phone call. And, I want to hear this one. I, I walk over and, and I'm making a phone call and then mm-hmm. I, I put my phone down and who's in the corner of a fucking tiny lister, Right. Fucking Debo, Debo Zeus. <laughs> the fucking that's him, right? Tiny Lister. He, 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 
He's in the movie. He's in the Human Centipede 3. He's in the third one. Yeah, yeah he's, in the, he's in Human Centipede 3. So he's there, and he's chilling with his boys and stuff, and they're chilling at the sure. bar, yeah. you know, which the bar is like in oh, 3D no. alone, right? He's so a big dude. He's a huge dude, right? So I'm like, I'm like, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, <laughs> like, I want to talk to him, but I don't, and I want to be cool, but I want to want to. Of course, yeah. Like, I fucking hate bothering people for shit. Like, I just. Because it, you don't like being No, no, not true, but that, I, for some people, for some reason, like, some people I don't mind, I'm like, fuck it, I don't care, I want to be a dick, and like, mm, you, okay. but it's well, not true. But, but, but when, when sometimes you kick your ass, it's a different story, you know? You know, yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, so I was just like, hey, you know, I just like tuck in all sheepish. I'm like, hey, Tiny, uh, I just want to say hi, big fan. Mm-hmm. And, okay, like, you did that the first typical I line. did it, big fan, you know, whatever. And, you know, so he fucking fires back. Oh, yeah? What's your favorite role? <sighs> oh, fucking you. My testicles, like, shrug up into my body at that point. I was just like, I wanted to throw up. And I was like, I was like, what do I, what do I blurt out, Andy? Man, you were the black president before it was cool. <laughs> and that was pretty much the look he gave me with his one eye, right? <laughs> like, like, you just, I can hear the, like, just, you know, the wrong, but that's not true. I'm going to be He was cool. And I was just like, okay, man. You know, and then it's just like, I, I didn't want to bother him for a picture at that point. And I didn't want to bother him for oh a selfie. Oh, my God. Okay. He, and was, I, I, he was the black president in the fifth element, right? Right. He was Zebo in the first two. Friday movies. Right. He was Zeus from WWF and, um, ah, oh shit, what's the name of that movie? No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. And he was in The Dark Knight. Right. He was the prisoner who threw the, the remote. At one point, he made a comment. He was like, he was trying to fight for like the interviews, and he was like, "Dude, I was in The Dark Knight. I deserve this first. <laughs> you know. So anyway, whatever. And so that was my only regret was not getting a selfie with I him. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, whatever. So, when you're ready to walk up to the red carpet, move on. I was running out of time. But I could go on this forever because it was freaking hilarious. But yeah. when you're ready, you walk up on the red carpet and, and you give your name to this, like, handler. She she writes it on a whiteboard. Sure. So, she okay. writes your name on the whiteboard and she, like, sticks it out and holds it. And then all the photographers start, like, fucking this, like, crazy blind onslaught of pictures. They take pictures of the whiteboard because I guess that's how they mark yeah, so they everybody, know, yeah. you know. What it's so, that's that. And then, like, you walk out. And then you walk and, and like, you kind of, like, Pause in front of the posters and, and just like you just throw down shade like you just you just like you like well, <laughs> time out. What did you just say? You throw down shade. What the fuck does that mean? Oh, I can't describe it to you. I don't have enough time. But anyway, oh you, my God. you just throw it out there, man. You work you work the red carpet. This is like your fucking you know your moment. This is people taking pictures of you, the AP, the press, everybody. Okay. All right. Like you sit out there, you fucking get up there, you work that shit. You get your magnum ready. Did, did you, you fucking it? work it? You get up there. <sighs> What'd you do? Blue steel, dude. I was just grinning. Like one of, I was fucking just sitting there grinning like one of Joker's victims from like the fucking 1989 Batman movie, dude. I can't, I can't look cool. I can't, I can't even throw up a fucking eyebrow. Nothing, dude. I had nothing. I had nothing on the red carpet whatsoever. <laughs> no, I was fucking paralyzed. Oh. I was facially paralyzed. It was horrible. Oh, you're, <sighs> you're one. You're one. Moment. <sighs> just, 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 I was Eminem throwing it. up on my sweater. I did. <laughs> I fucking threw up my spaghetti on my fucking custom suit. Here, here, here was your moment right here. Look, here's your moment. Poof. God, I, I couldn't get the eyebrow out of work. Nothing, nothing, Andy. I had nothing. You had face paralysis. It was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. So whatever. Fucking that fucking. 
jumble off the red carpet walking like happy feet, the fucking penguin and shit, like walking off of the carpet, right? So I get done. So whatever, so then you get into the theater, you know, and, and, and it's full. You, you walk through and you take your seat. And it's like a normal movie theater, right? Like, except that it's fucking packed with celebrities, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you go, you go like to go take a seat and it's like fucking high school, right? Like, you know, like when you're like in the gym and shit and you got to find the right spot in the bleachers. Well, this is like a fucking theater filled with celebrities and it's the same thing, like, you, you want to sit in a row and it's like, oh no, that, that's too close to Tiny or, or to Robert and that's scary. I don't want to sit next to them. Or it's like, okay, I'm going to sit over here next to these random people. But then after the fucking movie is over, you look around and you realize you're the only goddamn person sitting in the audience that was not in the movie and everybody sitting around you was in the goddamn movie. Mind you, there were fucking oh. 500 prisoners in this movie, okay? Oh. So oh, every yeah. one of the goddamn prisoners was sitting around us pretty much. And Tiny, and fucking, like Rob Lasardo, like all these fucking people that you grew up like fucking kicking your ass. Oh, oh dude, yeah. don't even get me started on Rob Lasardo. That's, that's another episode. Oh my god, dude, I got to Rob Lasardo. Do you know what I said to I him? I love him in the- Dude, he was awesome in everything he's fucking done. And of course, what does Danny open up with when I go run out to him? I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, man. I still remember you from Short Circuit, too. Oh my god, dude! But luckily he was like the nicest dude ever, and yeah. he, he just right. threw his arm around me, and he was he was really bad cool. But but anyway, so anyway, I, I digress. So you sit down in the movie theater and. The movie starts, and, and it's, it, it's just like regular theater, you know, you're just sitting around all these people when the movie starts, but it's cool because it just starts, there's no, like, there's no, no, coming there's no popcorn ads, no dancing fucking goobers, like, you just, it just starts, right, and, and then the movie starts, and then you're sitting there, and you're watching it, it's so fucking surreal, you know, the movie, and you start recognizing people. You're watching on, on the big screen all these people that are sitting Like, I can see, you. I'm sitting there three rows behind Tom Six and mm-hmm. Dieter Laser, mm-hmm. and, like... I'm watching them 50 feet tall, and I can still see the outline of Tom Six's hat in front of me, like fucking at Mystery Theater 2000 style. Like oh, I can shit, see the, the backs of their heads and watching them on the screen. It's fucking sure. surreal. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome, you know? So whatever. And uh, the movie lets up, and, you know, it's awesome. After that, they have like an hour long Q&A session. Sure, okay. Which is cool. Um, Emma walked up for the Q&A session because. I guess, spoiler alert, Emma is in The Human Centipede 3. What? Yes, Emma is in The Human Centipede 3. Uh, it's, it's, it's in suck, footage, but it's in, like, part of footage. But, but still, yeah, yeah, but she's she's in there. So uh, she was up on stage, and she delivered this really cool speech on um, what it was like to be raped on camera, um, which is interesting. And, and Lawrence was there, right? And Lawrence, well, that's the whole thing. is like Lawrence, and I, I tell you, man, for the record, I love Lawrence. Man. Yeah. Dude, he was, like, one of my favorites. He's such a cool dude. He's all quiet and shy and everything. Sure. And, like, you know, the guy flew over from the U.K. Mm-hmm. He literally got there, like, a couple hours before, showed up to the theater, you know, is, is, is doing his stuff. And, like, he's exhausted. He's shy, mm-hmm. you know. Like, he's in the, and, and, like, you ask him for a picture, and he immediately, like, fucking scrunches up the eyes and, like, does it for you. Like, he's just... He, he does just, it. He does it. Like, he does the thing for you. He just puts in his time. You know, it's awesome. And, and, and it's the same thing, like, after the movie was over, the Q&A session was so cool because, you know, they had the, the actual section where they just handed the mic to the different actors and okay. had different questions and stuff. But afterwards, it was, like, a little, like, neat... I guess it was, like, an informal kind of meeting thing. Mm-hmm. Like, all the actors and Tom Six and Ilona, Ilona Six, um, they hung out. They hung back. 
and they talked to every fucking fan because at the at the premiere there was also like I think like fifty fans that had won various competitions or whatever to get to see watch the premiere. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a pretty cool. So there was a big group of fans there, and uh, it, they got to meet these people, man, and they were mad cool. Like like Dieter was just he was so nice. He stopped and talked to every single person awesome. and had convos with them and yeah. was so nice. Like I asked him for a picture, he didn't hesitate twice. Because he looked. Uh, he looked a bit pensive. That was his look. Oh, okay. Because right. immediately, like, he snapped into it. Like, he's, he's really nice and normal. Yeah. And then as soon as they pull out the camera, he went into the look. Okay. You know, so that was his look, um, which is cool. And, and Tom Six, man, I, I can't even he, begin You showed me the picture of Tom Six, dude. He's pimp. See, here's the thing about Tom Six, man. I was so... Oops. That was, that was honestly a nice tea bottle. Um, I was so impressed and inspired by him. He really? he inspired me in a really cool way. Like just meeting him, you kind of see that he's a normal guy. He's a really super nice guy, and mm-hmm. it's it's hard to realize that he's the he's twisted some, brain yeah, yeah. behind this. Some you know, psychopath. him and his sister essentially. They're Ilona Six is his sister, and they're okay. they're the production company. Um, so him and his sister, but he's like you know he's the nicest fucking guy, and like. He just works it, dude. He he rocks it. He rocks his white linen suit with his like little fedora hat, like his white fedora matching, and his, his little pencil mustache mm-hmm. and his cane. He walked into the premiere, man. Like people making death threats all the time to him for, oh, for sure. creating these yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. And like he walked in, his bodyguard was this like yeah, three foot tall. Yeah, his bodyguard was like the three foot tall midget whose other job was to hold up an ashtray for him as he walked with his cigar. So the dude had this three-foot-tall black midget following him around with an ashtray, right? Fucking so badass. Fucking just fucking... He just owned it, dude. And, like, you know, he was talking about, like, a a lot of his inspirations and stuff behind the film and and getting to where he got. And, you know, he said one of the coolest things he said was he was, like, you know, a lot of actors, they backed out when he was asking them to, like, you know, like, Lawrence Harvey had to, like fuck a chair during his interview and like that was, that was his audition his audition yeah, yeah it was like he had to like bang a chair and stuff like that and, and and you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on even in the third movie that's like of course very typical sick twisted stuff and these actors put themselves in these roles mm-hmm. and so like he said it, he's like you know some actors you know thought that you know they were above these roles or whatever like that they wouldn't do it because it's too controversial but it's like what are they remembered for now and versus like centipede I mean I, I hate to say it centipede is very controversial but it is like it's an institution. It's a, it's yeah. a you like it's an institution now. It's it's mm-hmm. it's its own like it's, cultural phenomenon. I was about to say it's reached that cult. Yeah, it, it's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. So and he created this, and he's just very unapologetic about like not compromising himself. He's like you know we can make shit that's gonna get cut up and it's gonna get more mainstream, but he's like then it's not gonna it's not gonna be what I created and mm-hmm. it's not gonna mm-hmm. be talked about the way that I think it should be. So like he just doesn't compromise, and I love that he doesn't compromise his integrity for his vision for his dream and. That and and just fucking wearing the fucking the style, you know, and, and like physically presenting himself in that fashion, like I really admire that. And then to boot, he's like the nicest guy, and we'll talk to him. And that's so hard to do, man. People, you, people don't understand. Like when you're doing something publicly mm-hmm. for hours at a time, it's very difficult to sit and have conversations with every single person, you know, who does it. But he was doing that, man, and and like it was genuine. It was not 
fluffy, like he was taking interest in stuff, you know, and he was taking interest in, as he saw, like, all of the individual actors that he had worked with in the past, like, he was taking interest in their lives, like, and catching up with them and doing stuff, so it was, it was really nice to see the way they treated the fans, and, you know, the movie, I gotta tell you, the movie was not great, I, I think it was probably one of the weaker of, of the Centipede series. Oh, really? Yeah, I will say it's probably the weakest link, only because it's such a different movie, and that's what they created, that's what the whole purpose was to create this, this movie that was so different from the other centipede. Is it something that you'll have to see probably two, maybe three times to like absorb it all? No, it, off okay. the top, it's just you know like like Dieter's character. Um, it's different. I know him. Well, different. Play different characters. None is, but not only do they play different characters, but Dieter's character is way over the top, almost like in a cartoonish sense. So okay. the whole okay. film kind of takes on this tongue-in-cheek. And then you have, like, a situation where Tom Six is breaking down the fourth wall, and he's showing up, and they're now, like, you know, he's like a consultant, basically, for the centipede, and he's playing himself. And that whole moment, like, as soon as he walks in, there's this music that plays when he walks in and stuff like that, and it, it makes you smile, it makes you laugh. Like, I found myself laughing throughout a good portion of the movie. Was it like a Outlaw Josie Wales-type music? It's very, yeah, sort of like that. <laughs> it's very, the whole movie is very tongue-in-cheek, and it's it's very kind of comedic. Um, it, it's probably one of the more comedic of, of the series. So it has such a different vibe that if he, I think if he didn't incorporate the same actors that he did, um, it would almost be unidentifiable with the centipede. Well, family. Except for the, the 500 centipede. Well, yeah, but I mean, it would just, it would just have such a different vibe mm-hmm. to it, you know? But overall, it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. I will forever be endeared to it. I will forever love the movie because it was, you know, my first experience out there doing that. And it was, it was so much fun. I want to thank Emma Locke once again for inviting me out to that, to attend that event. That was pretty freaking fantastic. Yes, Emma, thank you for taking care of my friend. <laughs> um, Andy will be at the next one. Absolutely, and absolutely. I, I think Gacy needs to come to Gacy the next needs show. to come out. Gacy, you totally need to come out for the next Gacy, Hollywood Have, you, have you seen the Human Centipede movies? I know they're oh, on your I, homework, but... Maybe we should watch the Human Centipede movies with Casey and like get his reaction. Mystery two thousand, Mystery Science Theater two thousand, Mystery Science Theater two thousand style. Like just the three of us sit in, in the screen and watching. And maybe what do you, what do you think we'll of stream, that? Casey? Maybe we can stream. We want to stream something like that live, Casey, and get your reaction to the Human Centipede. I think that would be wonderful. All right. All right. Cool. We'll, cool. We'll, we'll All right. Have to, we'll have to put that one in the book. And the uh, Human Centipede three is uh, tonight, right? It, it officially the Human Centipede three opens up tonight in Today, theaters. Yeah. In theaters, and video on demand. And is it on video on demand? Yes, it is. No shit, really? Yes, it is. Oh, I might actually get it again. Um, yeah, you know, it is whatever. If you're a fan of the series, you'll like it. It has its moments. It has some great moments in it. it I'm has, sure it does. It's my favorite moment, I, I can't, obviously, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, I'm going to tell you, but just fucking Robert Lasardo's the man. Yeah. I, he's, he's the man in this movie. I love him. I got to ask, uh, you know, typical douchey guy question. Yeah. Brie Olsen. Brie Olsen. Yeah. <sighs> Hot, super hot for sure. sure okay. I mean, like, that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, she was nice. I didn't. I was a little intimidated to like go up to her myself. Really? I really was, um, because like I didn't want her to feel like I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted her to feel like. Like the um, creep, like just a creepy dude. But like, like Emma offered to like introduce me to her, mm-hmm. and like I was like, nah. I was like, it was just yeah. I think I felt creepy. Nudist man is like she's like this like. Okay, like hot sex ch- symbol chick, porn chick, whatever, and like she's so young looking, man, mm. and it's like, uh, like I don't know, it's just I feel she's tiny weird. too, right? She is, she's tiny, she's beautiful, she's a beautiful girl, really yeah, beautiful yeah. girl, um, and 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 very sweet, and and she was pretty 
funny in the movie, pretty good. Like her role was, mm-hmm. was kind of in the comedic sense, and she was she was good. And of course, you know, whatever. Keep in mind that it is a human centipede, so funny sure. as a relative yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but she was awesome. I gotta say, like, I got a cast list here. I gotta see some of the people I want. Okay, to now to. this is something that when you told me you're going to the premiere, I needed to know that you were gonna meet him, and you told me you would, and I didn't hear any update. Pick up the glass fucking bottle, please. Seriously, it's driving me crazy. Go ahead. Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Please <sighs> tell me you got a picture with Eric fucking Roberts. He did not show. Okay, real douchey moments, real quick, my own opinion. Okay, Eric Roberts didn't show, but Eric Roberts is a busy dude, so who knows? He might be working on something, probably. But the, the douchey, and I'm only saying this because he doesn't know who I am, and hopefully he won't kick my ass and kill me one day. But Tiny, Tiny, fucking got up, hauled ass on the very last second of the last scene of the movie, and took off before the movie, before the house lights came up, uh-huh. so that he wouldn't have to do the Q&A or meet and uh, talk with people. That's, that's kind of dickish. Yeah, yeah. Tiny booked. Um, Dieter, awesome. Um, Clayton Roner, talk to him. Look him up. You'll recognize him in a million movies. Um, yeah, he he was he was in a bunch of movies. He was uh, really good. Brie Olsen was really nice. Uh, who else? Tom Six, fucking amazing. Uh, Rob Lasardo, fucking really amazing guy. You know, we gotta talk to him. He, I don't know. I don't know if he would fit. What do you think? I meant to ask you, Casey. What do you think about this? This is for you as our producer. Um. Rob Lissardo is this actor, does really cool movies. He used to train dogs for the Navy, attack dogs for the Navy in the, no, Aleutian, in the Aleutian Islands. Should we have him on and talk yes. about it? Yeah. All right, we'll I talk say about yes. Gacy, you? Gacy, you good? All right, we'll, we'll, vote, we'll vote him on. We'll bring him on. But yeah, um, so in a nutshell, those guys were great, uh, as long as some of the other smaller actors that, whose names I forget. But um, yeah, once again, man, special thanks. Thank you to Emma Locke for an amazing weekend. Um, and, and it was a crazy experience. And know that Gondor needs a hockey team, Andy. Gondor needs a hockey team? Yes, I was told that in the streets of Los Angeles, and I'm going to take it to heart. I'm going to write that so down. So remember, Gondor needs a hockey team, people, and I am going to leave you with that. <laughs> of course, unprepared, I'm going to leave you with that. Anyway, thank you guys. Thanks, Uncle Junkies. We're out of time because um, I blabbed way too much about my experiences. That's okay. But, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Special thanks to Dante Finolio for coming on the show and uh, having a good time. Hurry up. Tug me out. Tug me out. You live people are going to be out. So anyway, be out. Later. Love you. Later. Jungle Junkies for tuning in this evening and supporting us in all that we do. Don't forget to tune in next Friday night for another live episode. And if you miss any of our shows, be sure to download them on iTunes for free. Be sure to like Urban Jungles Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UJ Radio. Thank you for listening to Urban Jungles Radio. Danny, did I forget anything? Yeah, once again, special thanks to Dante Finolio for coming by and talking to us about all the cool... See, I feel much less rushed now. We're off the live air. So all you podcast people get the uh, the special podcast treatment. But um yeah, um special thanks to Dante Finolio for coming by and uh thanks to all the LA people. Love you guys, Devin and Mike. Oh man, I didn't even get to talk about Oscar, dude. I totally forgot about talking about Oscar Redentito. We gotta bring you know, we gotta bring Oscar on. Just, yeah, we're just gonna bring him on and talk to him because he's got some fascinating stuff. And then stuff. we can we can talk about that kind of straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 uh and of course thanks again to Emma Locke for inviting yeah, me out to human centipede stuff. Um Casey, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, oh, You're awesome. Man. You rock. Yeah.
<laughs> We're gonna have a good time with, with uh, some of these ideas that are coming. And, uh, and Andy, I love you, man. Thank you for. I love you too, my friend. Before I'm gone, for not strengthening me in my sleep for all the cool experiences. To, uh, Mike's still young. Next time, man. Next time, you're there. The next time for the next one. And um, all right, man. That's it. That's the show, right? That is a show. Special thanks to you, our jungle junkies. Thank you, everyone. Driving around, just juking left and right. Spread the word. You do. Spread the word. Spread the word. And uh, everybody know. Spread the word. word. All right, uh, we're dragging. Bye. Love you guys. Ladies. It's not ending. There we go. The fucking ending. The fucking episode. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah.